Abandoned to Mother, the incredible, emotional, and life-changing transformation we take when we go on our journey into motherhood. From all things conception to postpartum and parenthood, I will be talking with parents and hearing their stories of navigating these times while sharing helpful information along the way. Together, we'll be covering all stories, no matter how you have chosen to conceive, birth, or parent. Let's get into it. Hello, listeners. Before we get into today's episode, I need to put a content warning on this one. Today, we speak to the beautiful Tori and we speak with her about the loss of her third daughter, Eden, at 21 weeks. We do speak about the loss in detail. And I must warn you, it is a tearjerker of an episode. There are lots of tears, but it is also a very, very beautiful episode. Tori was so vulnerable and sh- amazing sharing her story. So I really appreciate Tori coming on and sharing this in detail with us to help any of the other mamas out there that have gone through this. But if you're at a point in your journey where you're vulnerable to this type of information, I suggest giving this one a miss, maybe coming back to it at a later time. Hello and welcome to the Maiden to Mother journey. I'm Kendall. I'm your podcast host. And today we are speaking with the beautiful Tori. Tori, can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, what you do and who's in your family? Yeah, no worries. So uh, my name's Tori. I'm 29 and I live on the Gold Coast. Um, I have my, I live with my partner Cass and our two daughters, Kaya and Mia. I also have two stepdaughters who are teenagers who live in Melbourne. Um, and I also had a daughter last year who was still born at 21 weeks. Yeah. And that was Eden. Yeah, that's Eden. Yeah. Yeah. So today we're going to be doing a lot of talking about Eden. Um, But we did want to hear Kaya and Mia's story as well. So can you tell us about um, Kaya's your oldest? How old is she? Yeah, so Kaya's six and Mia's two. Yeah. So let's start with Kaya. Um, Can you tell us about your conception with Kaya? Yeah, so I fell pregnant with Kaya when I was 22. Um, She was a surprise baby, so there was no (laughs) planning or nothing about the conception that was planned for. Um, So I found out I was pregnant with her in, I think, March 2016, Um, and then I had her in November 2016. So I went into labour, I think it was around 40 weeks. I went into early labour. I went to the hospital. They were like, yeah, we'll send you home but you'll be back in the morning. Like you're going to progress. Like we'll probably see you in the morning. Um, if not come in earlier. Um, so they sent me home with some Panadol or Panadine Fort. And then I stopped laboring. So I then spent the next week on and off in early labor. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was very up and down that whole week. Like I'd lost my mucus plug and everything. So I was having contractions like one every 20 minutes, sometimes more often, but it just wouldn't progress. And they just kind of said, just, we'll just leave you. Um, and we'll just check on you every now and then. So it was a night before they were going to induce me. Um, and I was like to cast, I don't feel good. Like that was coming on really strong. So I like, called the hospital. Um, they're like, yep, come in. That's fine. Um, we left, we got in the car and I was like, you need to pull over. Um, and I got out, spewed everywhere and my waters just burst. Um, so it was like on really quick, we got to the hospital and I wasn't, um, really progressing. Like I was dilated about two centimeters and nothing was really moving. So, um, they kind of got me to rest and then they kept checking me and it got to, this was about midnight when I got in there. Um, and the next morning they checked me and the baby's heart rate and her heart rate kept dropping. Um, and I just wasn't progressing at all. Like I wasn't dilating. I was still in heaps of pain. Um, so then we opted for a C-section uh, which then went smoothly. Um, I was a bit out of it. Um, Kaya did come out with, she had some, mal- I can't remember the word, the the poo came out. and Meconium. She yep, meconium. Yeah. Um, so she did spend a day in special care. Uh, but other than that, like, she was fine. She had no issues after that at all. She came back out on the ward with me after less than 24 hours. Um, and, yeah, she was a really good baby, really easy Um we I tried breastfeeding um so we did that for a few days but then I unfortunately got an infection from the c-section um which oh, then wow. led to, yeah so I was pretty unwell and my, my milk supply just dropped 
Um, so we then went on to bottle feeding. Once I got better, I tried to get my milk back, but I just didn't have any. Mm. Um, so we continued bottle feeding with her. Um, and yeah, she loved it. She was big and chubby. We had no issues with her at all. <laughs> oh, that's good. Did they yeah. say, like, what was the infection? So it was just the wound was infected. So it, like, burst open. Oh. Um, so, yeah, I had to – I went back to the hospital for a day. They gave me antibiotics and then I had some at home as well. And, look, I was fine within, like, a week. Yeah. Um, it came on really fast. Like, I didn't realise I had an infection. I got home. It was the day we got home. I think I had her on a Monday. got home on the Thursday. And I was, like, having hot flushes. But being a first-time mum, I Googled it and it's like, yeah, you can have hot flushes <laughs> because your hormones. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then the next day when the midwife came out, my temperature was like 41. Um, and she was like, you need to go to the doctor. And the doctor's like, you need to go to the hospital. So, yeah, they fixed me up pretty quick though. So they just IV antibiotics and then a course at home as well. And it was sweet. Oh, that's awesome. So being 22, and I know this because I obviously know you and we have spoken about yep. it in the past. Um did you were you like prepared for birth or did did it take you by surprise like prepared to give birth yeah yeah were you preparing um, for your birth look, at that age I had no idea yeah. I didn't do any preparing I didn't go to any classes like no I had no idea so there was no preparation so when I went into labor my plan was just like get the baby out that was literally my only plan mm. um I guess I went the hospital I went through I lived in Melbourne at the time it wasn't really the best hospital um and there wasn't really that much info out there I guess for me especially being young like they didn't like offer any extra help like I wasn't yeah. really like I was 22 but like there just wasn't really the processes there um, more so after I had Kaya, they were like, oh, because you're a young mum, you get extra midwife appointments and all that. But leading up to the birth, there was nothing really extra or any extra support there to prepare you. So, yeah, my plan was go in, get the baby out. <laughs> yeah. <was> literally it. <laughs> and so then was um, Mia, was she, that she's a few years later then? Yeah. Um, so She planned? Yeah. So I felt pregnant with Mia during COVID. Um, I think it was April 2020, I found out I was pregnant with her. So we did start trying in January of 2020. Um, so it took a few months. Um, but once we found out that we're pregnant with her, everything ran pretty smoothly. Um, I got into the midwife program where I was aligned the one midwife for all my appointments, which was really good. Yeah, the NGP um, program. Yeah, which I loved. Like the midwife I got was awesome. And I also opted for a um, student midwife which is just really good having someone there all the time. Like the student midwife, she even came to my ultrasounds. Like she was lovely and it was really good having a familiar face with you the whole time. Yeah. Um, so with Mia, obviously they gave me the option if I wanted to do a VBAC or if I wanted to have another C-section. So after going through the C-section with Kaya and how exhausted I was and how hard it was to labour and then C-section, I opted straight for elective C-section um which they were great with so they booked that in at 39 weeks I think it was so um it was actually on New Year's Eve so she was born on New Year's Eve in 2020 wow um at like 4 30 p.m so she was one of the last planned babies there besides obviously the emergency c-sections and everything yeah. else <laughs> but she was yeah. like the last one booked in for New Year's Eve of that year so it was pretty cool that's actually good. I've got a question about this. Um, yeah. Because what I've heard from MGP and my understanding of it is that they generally, like, take women who basically just want to have, like, a, a vaginal sort of unmedicated birth, although obviously they offer all of those other services because it's yeah. the hospital. So they were, like, totally fine with just laying the things out on the um, table and being there with you during your C-section. Is that how it worked? Yeah, so my midwife that I had, she was more than happy with my options. There was um, – you did have to meet with a doctor. It was, like, a video call you and your midwife and the doctor before booking it in. That doctor then was trying to convince me, you know, she's like, you're young, um, you should just try for a VBAC and all that. Like they were trying to push me towards it, but I was like, I've made my decision. I'm like 37 weeks at this stage. Yeah. Like I'd already made my decision. But no, they were completely fine. But they never asked me before I got into the program what my birthing plan was. So that could yeah. have been why I was put in there. Because um, they asked me. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh. They asked me and a couple of girlfriends I, know, I knew sort of got taken out of the program 
wanting to have a, an elective C-section because they were like, oh. oh, well, you can just be put straight through the hospital in that case sort of thing. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, that's why I was super interested. That's good to know, I guess. Uh, maybe it's like midwife dependent. I don't really know. Which... Maybe they just really liked me. <laughs> yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> so um, what what was the, was the experience like going in with Mia with a planned C-section compared to Oh, it one? was so chill. So like they said I was booked for, I think it was like 10.30, they said, um, I would be booked in for obviously people take longer. So it's kind of an estimate. So we got there in the morning, fasted, obviously I was super hungry. <laughs> um, we got in there and then there was a couple of people before me that were in there for a long time. Yeah. I think they had some complications. So I was kind of pushed back. I didn't get in there till four. Um, and me and another girl were waiting so long. They like came and checked us and they're like, yep, you need some fluids. Like your blood sugars are really low. Like they had to give us some medication because we had eaten yeah. like the day before at this stage. Yeah, um, and being pregnant too. Yeah, super pregnant yeah. <laughs> as well. Um, but, yeah, once we got in there, um, it was real smooth. It, she was in and out so fast. Like I, I can't get over how fast they do it. Um, I was like, have they started? And they're like, we're about to pull her out. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Oh, <laughs> um, it's like under 10 minutes, hey? Yeah. But then I was in there for a little bit just because they said I had so much scar tissue from my previous C-section. I think that's probably because of the infection I had. Mm. Um, so they did spend a lot of time cleaning it up, they said. But we were fine. Like, we were just, like, they were passing around. They had her next to me for a bit. I do I do find it hard in a C-section, though, trying to, like, hold the baby. I was kind of like, I'll hold her in recovery. Like, yep, I can see, like, it's such an awkward position. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, so I think I was probably in there for, like, an hour, if that. Um, And then we got back to the ward by, like, dinner time, 5.30, I reckon. It just gotten dark. Um, So, yeah, it was a pretty smooth process. So, and the hospital was great there. Like, um, That was at Gold Coast Uni, Yeah, Gold Coast Uni. Yep. We we left a day early because she was doing fine and I was doing fine. Um, I don't really like hospitals, so I try to get out there as quick as I can. Mm. Um, but, yeah, they were happy for us to leave early. So we just stayed the two nights, not the three, that they usually recommend with a C-section. Um, and then she just had her regular checks. And, yeah, she was completely fine. I did opt to bottle feed her um, like I had with Kaya. I was just – with my issues previously, um, I was just didn't think it would work. And I'm kind of glad that I did because I never actually got my milk in. Um, which was a bit weird yeah so I'm like maybe I just don't get milk I don't know but yeah it was weird it never came I didn't never have to get rid of it because it just never came yeah um, oh well they, that's at least you didn't get like mastitis or anything like yeah with anything like that and they did say like oh we can give you medication but there's a lot of side effects they said and I was like look if if I get my milk in I'll just naturally get rid of it so it just never came in so yeah I'm just still waiting <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll just show up one day. <laughs> and then how was it um, going into motherhood with two now? Oh, look, it, I found the zero to one was the hardest. Yeah. Um, going from one to two, you kind of know what you're doing, uh, kind of. No one knows yeah. what they're doing. But, <laughs> you, yeah, I, you ha- we had some tricks up our sleeve. And obviously I was also concerned with Kaya being four. Like I didn't want her to think the attention was off her. Mm. Um, she was great though. She loved having a sister there. And I'd previously, like with our stepkids, they'd also, um, been with us throughout our lives. So like Kai was used to having, having to share us with other people and stuff like that. So it did make it a bit better. Um, but yeah, definitely the zero to one way harder than one to two. Yeah. Way harder. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's like, but yeah, it's such it's, a life changing thing going from. But yeah. Plus well, my like partner, Cass, he, yeah, Cass is really hands-on with the kids like he would do the feeds overnight more than me at the start to be honest um just because I was in you know it's a bit hard getting up after a c-section especially with mm. the night so he does just as much as me um which always makes it makes it better and it kind of feels like more a partnership than like you had the baby I'm just going to chill over here type of thing yeah um which yeah it did definitely made my recovery a lot easier and the transition so much easier too that's amazing Choosing um, wisely who you're going to have a baby yeah. with is a hot tip. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we'll, we'll move on to Eden then. Um, so Eden was last year, 2022. Yeah. yeah. So I found out I was pregnant in March last year. Uh, Did you? We, were you trying? No, we weren't. So our plan was kind of to try at the end of last year. Um, 
not the start of last year, but I have pretty regular periods on and off. So I do generally sometimes just take pregnancy tests because I find that if I take a test, my period comes. It's like my thing. Mm. <laughs> so some like sometimes I'll have my period every couple of weeks. Sometimes I won't have it for like 40 days or something like that. So it's like really irregular. So I was like about to start work. I work from home. It was like 7.45. I started at 8. I was like, oh, I'll just take one because I still haven't got my period and no symptoms at all. Um, and I took it and then I was like, cool, I'll go start work. And I looked and I was like, I swear I can see a line on that. And it was like the faintest line, but it was there. I'm freaking out. Like Cass is asleep. He's on night shift. I was like, what do I do? Like, so I like logged in for work and I'm sitting there and I was like, I'm going to quickly go to the chemist um, and get like a digital test because it was so faint. I was like, am I actually seeing it? Um, so I went and took a digital test, came back pregnant one to three weeks. And I was like, okay, cool. So then Cass woke up, I told him, got all excited, all that. And I booked in, so I went and saw my GP, I think it was like a couple of days later and booked in my dating scan. So because of my regular periods, we weren't really sure when like I was how due. far along. Yeah. Yeah. So based on what was my last period, um, it would have been, I should have been about five or six weeks or something like that. Anyway, so we booked in the dating scan. The doctor said, we'll get it done straight away just um, to see how far along you actually are because you could be further along than what we think. And if you're not, you can just go again. Like, it's fine. Um, so we went in about a week later, I think it was, and they were like, no, nah, we can't see any. Like, we could only see, like, the sack there. We can't see enough. Come back in another week or two. Um, so I was like, okay, that's fine. I went back. This was just before Easter um, last year. I think it was like the day before Good Friday and I went back and they did the scan and they're like yep um, cool we can see there like one baby like everything looks fine but you're only about six weeks so I was it was about two weeks more than what I should have been or less sorry mm. than what I should have been so I was just like okay obviously I got my periods wrong like that's fine so I should have been due I think the start of November the 9th of November or something like that and I was due the 29th of November oh, so October. November. Oh, yeah. November. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was a bit of a difference. Yeah. Um, my doctor was like, yeah, that's fine. So the day after the ultrasound, it was an internal ultrasound. So the day after that was good Friday and I started spotting. Um, I thought maybe it was from like the wand or something like that from the ultrasound. Um, I was spotting a little bit throughout that whole weekend. And I remember it was Easter Sunday and I mentioned it to my sister and I was like, Oh, I'll show you a picture. And I showed her and she's like, that's not spotting. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, that's blood. Like you're bleeding. And I was like, okay, that's weird. And like, I've never spotted during a pregnancy. So I didn't really know mm. what amount would you say is spotting? Like I didn't have clots or anything like that, but there was blood. Yeah. I, yeah, I did. I was spotting pretty heavily. I thought I'd lost my baby. That was about nine weeks. I went into hospital and they said it was just implantation bleeding, but I just had a fair bit. But yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to know determine. the difference. Yeah, yeah, what amount is too much? You know. Yeah. Um. So I was like, okay, well that's weird. So I booked in for like the next day, or once the public holidays were over, to see my doctor, and she was like, look, we'll do an ultrasound and we'll just get it checked. Um. She's like, you're not having any cramping or anything like that, so we'll get ultrasound. Hopefully, it's fine. So I went in on the Wednesday for ultrasound. Um, and they said, yep, everything's fine. Baby's heartbeat's there. Like, it's just some preterm spotting. So my doctor was happy with that. Um, ultrasound was clear. Like, I was like, cool, bit of peace of mind. And it wasn't the amount that I was bleeding. It was when I wiped. Like, it wasn't mm. constantly bleeding. Um, anyway, fast forward to that Sunday night. We're out um, with some family. Get home. And I just had this weird feeling. And I said to Cass, I was like, something just doesn't feel right. And I was like, I have no symptoms. Like, I just don't feel like this is going how it's meant to be going um the next morning I woke up and as I stood up I felt like a gush of blood come out so I'm about nine weeks at this stage and I'm freaking out like there was clots coming out like there was so much blood and I'm 100% like I'm having a miscarriage this has to be what it is so we drop the kids off at my sisters we go to the emergency they do some tests and everything and they say look it's a threatened miscarriage and they're like because this was now Anzac Day, so they're like, it's a public holiday tomorrow, so we'll call you on Tuesday and we'll test you and see if it's a miscarriage. And I was like, so you want me to go home and just wait and see? Like, I just wasn't happy with that answer. So before leaving, I said, can you do an ultrasound? Can you do an internal? Like, see if my cervix is open. Like, check everything. Like, I can't go home and wait for days for you to call me. Like, mm. the thought of that. So they did an ultrasound and the heartbeat was there, but they did say, look, having a heartbeat there right now doesn't mean you're not miscarrying. Um but they said it's still threatened. So they looked in my cervix and it was completely closed. So that was like good peace of mind to be like, okay, the cervix is closed for now. 
like I'll just wait till Tuesday so they call me up and they're like yep come straight in to the hospital um so they did some tests and everything they did like check my HCG which was going up from when I was there a couple of days before which was good um they did an ultrasound that came back with a subchronic hematoma um so what that is there was like a sack of blood um, around the membrane surrounding the embryo so they said it is pretty common a lot of people do get them it does um, usually just go away on its own like your body will absorb it and you'll stop bleeding they said there is a slight chance it can cause miscarriage but it was only like an extra two to five percent than a normal person so it wasn't a massive worry mm. um, and they said yeah it should slow down in the next few weeks so I was what like nine weeks by then and I did stop spotting by 12 weeks so yeah. it did go away um, I then did my nip test at 10 weeks so everything was fine after that I still didn't really have any symptoms but I was just like happy about it because kind of like previous pregnancies I had morning sickness I was like okay maybe it's just good this time I don't have heaps of sickness mm. um so yeah so then I did my nip test at 10 weeks the one that my doctor sent me for was just at the pathology so there was no scan involved um I got the results back and they came back low risk for everything which was awesome um and I then asked my doctor like do I need to do a 12-week scan and she goes look you did the the nip test and the 12 week scan is looking for down syndrome so you've already done it like there wouldn't be any point and i was like okay she's like you did a scan a few weeks ago so i think it'd be fine i was like okay cool i did my gender reveal we found it we're having a girl we have already have four girls so an extra girl mm. we're excited <laughs> we we're nervous we knew what we're in for um so this is now may this is now may everything's kind of running smoothly there's not really much to do in between you know your 12 weeks and your 20 week scan you just kind of just wait um didn't have any more bleeding or anything like that I didn't really have much of a stomach um which is a bit weird looking back now my third pregnancy second in two years I should have mm. looked pregnant by you know 18 weeks I should have looked visibly pregnant mm. um and looking back now I if you didn't know I was pregnant if I didn't tell you you probably wouldn't have known you probably yeah. would have been like she's let herself go a little bit you know yeah um something like that but I booked in my 20-week scan for I think it was a little bit before 20 weeks we booked it in for um so this is a Friday we're now in July um yeah we go get the scan done the person doing the scan the she's like yeah just like she was acting normal she wasn't really showing us too much she just was like oh you know she's not really cooperating stuff like that and we're like okay cool like she was joking around with us was all happy and then we get to the end of the scan and she's like, um, when are you seeing your doctor again? And I was like, oh, I haven't booked it yet. I'll just book it sometime next week to get the results, you know. And she's like, I think you need to book it in for Monday. Um, there is some abnormalities we're seeing and you need to be referred to um, MFM, which is maternal fetal medicine. So we're just looking at each other like, what is going on? She's mentioned nothing at all during the scan. Like she's just all of a sudden saying this. And I was like, oh, why? And she's like, oh, the ventricles in the brain are enlarged and like the body's like the abdomen's really small um so you need to get it checked that's literally all she said so we're like okay like this is a lot of info and then she's like okay bye like that's pretty much it like mm. we were meant to see the 4d picture she showed us for like a second she wouldn't even show us like we didn't know what was going on um and she was like even asked me during like do you feel kicks like i was almost 20 weeks and i didn't feel any kicks i felt nothing yeah um but we're like, okay, so we're like, get in the car, we're like, silent. And I'm just like, start crying. And Cass, like, it's fine, like, it's gonna be fine. I'm like, something's not right. Like, I've said this the whole time, something doesn't feel right. And now they've said this. So I'm Googling, shouldn't have done. Like, all these yeah. things are coming up, like, everything possible. Um, so she's like, you have to go to your doctor on Monday. They'll have the scan, they'll refer you to the hospital, the hospital will see you. So I'm like, freaking out this whole weekend. Like, we felt so oh. sick. Like, it was just like this feeling in your stomach, like like that something might not be right and like mm. even not knowing what that even means. Like we've never been in this situation before. We just had no idea what to expect. So I go into my doctor on the Monday and the scan's not there. So my doctor is like furious. She calls the um, ultrasound place while I'm sitting there and she's like, you've upset this person. You've told them to come in. You haven't even sent it over. Like she was furious and she's like, this happens all the time. Like. She was so mad at them. Anyway, so then she's like, come back tomorrow. I was like, okay. So I went back the next day and they had the scan there. Um, so the scan pretty much, it said more than what that tech had told us. So the scan had told us that like the abdominal circumference of the baby was less than the fifth percentile, which is super small. 
the heart was enlarged and it was like more to the center. The stomach was in the wrong position. The umbilical cord was like to the right and had like a cyst on it. Um, and then the brain ventricles um, were severely enlarged. So they were more than 15 mil. They're meant to be, I believe, like 4.5 or something mil is like average. So they were huge. So pretty much the whole brain was the ventricles. Um, so, yeah, it was just a lot. And they also said that, like, they couldn't see any of the organs, like the liver and the kidney and the spleen. Like, they said, oh, they believe they're there, but they couldn't visualise them. Mm. So my, my GP was like, okay, I'm going to send you, I'm going to send through to, like, MFM at Gold Coast Uni. She's like, I'm going to call them every day until they call you. So this was on the Tuesday. They called me that night and said, come in tomorrow, um, which was awesome. So Cass and I went in on that Wednesday to Gold Coast Uni and we went to the fetal medicine department. So what they did there was the first thing they did was give us, like, in the waiting room, we had to, like, sign all these papers, like, if they were doing procedures today. And I was like, what is happening? Like, I have no idea what's happening and I'm signing, like, release forms in case they do procedures. Like, I just had no idea what we were yeah. for. So they took us in for a scan. Um, it was like a real high-tech machine. The scan took about an hour and a half. So they were like, look, it's the same scan you did the other day, which just with our machine. So it was the morphology scan again. Um, that was so great there. Like the ultrasound tech was like, if you want, I can take off the screens. If it's going to upset you. I was like, no, I want to see. Like I want to see everything. Um, and they were just spending a lot of time looking at like the heart and the brain. Like they spent a really long time looking at it all. They then finish it up and they're like, okay, so a professor is going to come in and talk to you about the results. So they came in and said, yep, so everything from the other ultrasound you did was correct. Um, but they said it looks, they said the weight of the baby is like less than the first percentile. Um, like the brain and the heart had severe abnormalities. There was no CSP in the brain. Um, I'm not really sure. I think they, the way they explained it was it's something that helps like for you to communicate. Oh, with yeah. The part of the brain. So it wasn't there at all. And they were like, the ventricles were even bigger than what the other ultrasound had said. So like the brain was like really enlarged. So like a lot of things were wrong. Mm. Um, and he said like, look, from what we see, it does look like a severe like genetic uh, condition. He's like, but obviously we need to do more testing. So the next thing they said was we can do an amniocentesis right now. Um, so that's putting the needle obviously inside and taking out some of the amniotic fluid. So the other problem they had was there was, like, very little fluid within my sack. Like, you could even see on the screen that there wasn't much to show. Like, there was a baby, there was some fluid, and that was it. And, like, the baby, she was measuring very small at this stage as well. So the fact there wasn't much fluid around her was, like, something was weird. And it kind of explains the size of my stomach as well. Mm. Um, so they do the amniocentesis. And I remember I was just laying there my back, and I was, like, holding Cass's hand. And one of the midwives was looking at me and I was looking at her and I was because like, you have to stay really still because obviously if they miss, they could cause miscarriage, like a whole lot of problems. Um, so I'm like staying still. I'm looking at her and I was like crying. But when I was holding it in, it's like my body was like vibrating. Mm. And just like she was looking at me, looking at each other. And like I could feel like it was like she was feeling my pain the way she was looking at me. Um, so they did that. And, like it took two seconds. They then do it and I was like to them, oh, is what's that in the tube? And they're like, that's your amniotic fluid. And I was like, why is it black? And they're like, oh, um, usually, I was like, is it not usually black? And they're like, no, it's, you know, it's usually clear. Um, this usually means there is a genetic disorder. So when I saw that, that it was black, like it was like tar. Like I'd never wow. seen anything like it before. And like, I just... I just broke down and I, they left the room and I said to Cass, I was like, I don't, I don't know what's happening, like what is happening in my body. Like the feeling that there was something in my body that was causing this and to be like my baby is swimming in that pretty much, you know, like they're breathing that in and it's black. Like what is it? Mm. So they kind of said to us, you know, the first test will take one to two days, which is called a fish test, they said, and they're like, look, it's going to come back fine, that one, because you did the – nip test and it was low risk so the other one you need to wait for is going to take a few weeks and all that so they're like it's going to take a few weeks you probably won't know and I'm like a few weeks like what do we do in the meantime so they gave us all the information we met with like a loss team as well just preparing us for what could come and our options moving forward um so they kind of explained everything to us um and then they called us two days later to come back in so we went back in on the Friday um Who, and just the hospital yeah so that 
um, fetal medicine department. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we met with the professor and we met with a loss coordinator. So what they told us was the fish results came back, which they said would be negative and came back positive. So it came What's back. What's the fish, resu- fish results? So it's like a DNA test, which they said is very similar to the nipped the nipped yeah so he tests for different things yeah he said because it wasn't picked up in the he said if it didn't pick up the nipped it most likely wouldn't be in this result because it's very similar Mm. um and it came back so he was incorrect obviously um that we would be waiting ages but yeah so it came back the that eden our baby had a condition called triploidy so what that means is she has three sets of chromosomes um, so instead of like an XY, there's like an extra X in there. So it's XXY. So what they said was either the mother or the father has put in an extra set of chromosomes. Um, it is a fatal condition. So usually um, most people, a lot of people have this condition and miscarry. They miscarry before 12 weeks. They never even know they had it. Um, so the fact that we've got to this point, I'm um, over 20 weeks at this stage, you know, like they said the rate of, um, survival is zero. There is no, there's nothing you can do. There's no survival plan. They said you most likely won't ever make it to full term. Yeah. Um, especially with the fluid, they said, look, you probably, you'll be waiting to miscarry pretty much at this point. Yeah. So they said, um, these are your options. You can, you can wait to see when you're naturally miscarry. You're going to have to come in and give birth. Obviously when you're past 20 weeks in Queensland, you have to give birth. You need a birth certificate. You need a death certificate. It's the same process if you have a live birth yeah. Um, at this stage. So they then said, you know, you can wait and try to get to live birth. We can have a team there to help you when the baby comes out. But if I did get to live birth, which was very minor, she would either die during birth, pass away like shortly after, like they don't live like a day is like the most at this, like that you would survive really. Yeah. Oh my and, gosh. Yes. And then they said, or oh, we can induce you and we can start the process from there. So Cass and I discussed it and we don't know if while she's inside us, like, is she in pain, you know, like Mm. that's the hard part. So we didn't want to take it any further. And like for myself at that point, knowing what the condition was, knowing that I'm the one growing the baby, like obviously I didn't do anything to cause this, but it was like the feel, I kind of disassociated to the pregnancy at this point and they kind of told me this would happen. Um, I just couldn't bear to like carry on yeah um hold on it's okay it's okay you drink some water it's all right darling you do take all the time you need i'm sweet i'm sweet <laughs> It's okay. We can, like, you take all the time that you need to get through this. Doing amazing. All right, where were we? Okay. (laughs) All right, I'm done. I'm ready. Okay, so once they told us our options and we decided that we would go ahead with um, induction, um, they, they pretty much said we can start the process now. So they gave us the option to start right away. This was on a Friday, so they said this is also one week from that first scan, so it all happened really fast. Yeah. Um, so what they did was they gave me a medication called um, mifepristone. So what that does, it blocks like what they the way they explained to me was it blocks nutrients going to the placenta, so it will like kind of start to end the pregnancy. Um, so the placenta will kind of stop working as such. So they then said we'll get you to come in on Sunday, present to the birthing. Um, the birth ward and um they'll induce me so to induce me they don't do it the way they do with the drip um with the normal pregnancy obviously they yeah. use a a medication called misopristol i believe um so it causes you to contract and all that but there were side effects that you know you can be pretty much spewing the whole time which i didn't get luckily i was so worried that they would so what they did with this medication which I'll get to that later, actually. I'll get fill in until we get to there. So before yeah, yeah. that, obviously, I took that medication and then we just went home and waited. So when we were in that meeting with them as well, they discussed what would happen um, once we give birth. So they said, you know, you have as long as you want with your baby, as little as you want, everything, you, whatever you want to do, you can do it your way. You can, your family can come in, you can do photos and like, it was, was a lot. Was this with the lost team? 
Yeah, and they are amazing. Yeah. They're so good, like the perinatal loss coordinator and everything. So they're like, you know, we'll come and see you on the day. Every, whenever you're in hospital, we'll come and see you. And, so, and they did, and they were great. Um, they kind of said, like, you know, you need to now look at funeral homes, you need to arrange funeral arrangements, all this stuff. And, like, we went from being pregnant to we mm. need to call a funeral home and we just had no idea, like, where do you even start? Like, I didn't even know you had to go to a funeral home in this situation. Like, things you just don't ever think about. Yeah. Um. So it was a lot to take on and, like, at the time I had said to Cassie, you know, I'm like, I don't, I don't want anyone to, like, come, I don't want like the kids to know like just come see like I even said I don't even know if I want to see her like it was so much to take on and obviously Cass comes from a different culture so he's moldy and when someone passes away you stay with them you know you, you don't yeah. leave their side and to me I've never been exposed to that so it was just a lot to take on so we went home we told our families what was going on and like even at that point I was like I don't even want to tell Kai like do we just go to the hospital not tell like she says my parents we just say i'm going to hospital to get checked and then we just tell her afterwards and then the more we spoke about it it didn't make sense to not include her like because mm, she's she at was, an age where yeah she was understanding five. yeah so we were like okay we'll go pick her up from school and we'll go talk to her so we picked her up from school early and we told it was going on we just said like look we've picked a name oh we decided on the name eden i don't know we just came across it and we loved it. Mm. We're like it just kind of sounds like it makes sense. So we'd already had the middle name picked out. So Cass's mum had passed away earlier last year. Her name was Leonie. So we'd always said we were going to use that name as our middle name. So we then had the name ready and we were like, look, we've picked a name for your sister. This is going to be her name. And she was so happy. And we were like, you know, mum's going to, I'm going to have to um, go to the hospital on Sunday and she's going to come out, but she's not going to come home with us because she's sick. And then she was like, oh, when will she come home then? We are like, no, she, you know, she's going to go to heaven. And she was so upset. Aww. Poor little thing. <laughs> Don't worry, girl. I'm crying <laughs> with you. I'm so oh. sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but, yeah, she was so upset. And, like, she's a very emotional kid as well. So it was a lot. It was, like, real heavy on her. Yeah. But, you We're know, uh, we then took her to the shops um, and we got her to pick out a toy that she could give her. And she picked one for herself as well. So they have the same one that they have together. And we're like, you know, you can give it to her and all that. So we obviously didn't have to tell Mia. She was 18 months old at this stage. She had no idea what's going on. <laughs> Yeah. She's just happy to be eating and playing. So um, <laughs> is like a like a cute little red yeah. Um we then contacted um our stepkids and said, Look, um, this is what's happening. If you want to come down, we'll fly you here from Melbourne. Um, and they wanted to come, they wanted to see her. So they um we went into hospital on the Sunday. It was the same preparation as a normal induction, you know, that they said, pack your bag, bring your regular stuff. So they said, you are going to, the birth is going to be like a normal birth. You're going to be in pain, which I was so naive to. Like, I remember I asked them, I was like, am I going to have to push? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, oh, like, I just kind of thought it would just happen. Like, I don't know. So they were like, it's going to hurt. You're going to feel it all, but we can give you any painkillers. So because um, we're not trying to like, the baby's not going to come out breathing, we can give you really strong painkillers. Yeah. So they so, offered so everything besides. It was an, like a proper induction. Yeah, like, a proper induction. Um, They just don't give you an epidural. So we went in on the Sunday morning. The team there was amazing. Like they put us down the very back. We had our own, we had two rooms. They put like butterflies on them so they knew and only certain people were allowed to come in. So my sister came, so it was me, Cass, and my sister Jules. Um, they started the medication at 10 a.m. So what they do is it's like a it's like a big pill and they actually insert it vaginally under your cervix. So they put it in there, it dissolves. They said you can swallow it, but if you swallow it, the risk of getting like spewing and getting unwell is like really high. Mm. And a lot of people like bring it up again. So it didn't even hurt. Like it took one second. It felt like when they do an internal. Yeah. That's literally what it felt like. They put it in. They just say sit down for 20 minutes um, and then you can move around. It'll be dissolved. So they did that every four hours. So the first one at 10 didn't really do anything. I felt like a tiny bit of period pain after a couple of hours, like super mild. 
then put it in again. Um, we were just like hanging out. We were like playing hangman, like joking around. And like the, even the midwife was like, oh, because they were real like at the start, like real like didn't want to say too much. And I was like to them, it's fine. Like we, I don't want to be in here and be sad. Like I don't want to be sitting here. We don't want to be like crying. Like I just didn't want it to be like that. Yeah. Um, and they were really good. So like they were joking around with us, you know. And then I think it got to like 6 p.m. And the contractions, they were coming in hot. Like, I was like, I'll be fine. I'd said from the start, uh, like, to everyone, I'm just going to take everything straight away. I don't want to feel anything. But when I was in there, it was such a weird feeling. I was kind of like I wanted to feel it all. And I don't know Mm. if I was, like, angry at myself about what had happened or, like, I don't know. It was just really hard to explain. But I wanted to feel as much of it as I could. So I put off any medication for so long. And then it got really bad. And I was, like, felt like I was dying. Like, it was so Mm. bad. Um. I'm such a sook though. <laughs> but, um, and I was like, I need to go to the toilet. Like, and I'm sitting on the toilet and all this, like these clots were coming out and I'm like freaking out. And my sister's sitting on the ground, the midwife's sitting on the ground and she's like, look, she might want to come out like on the toilet. This position's fine. Like I put a towel under you. We'll just sit here for a bit because they didn't know how big she was going to be. So the nurse was like, she might only be like the size of my hand. Like she might come out really easily. We don't know. So I was like sitting on the toilet for ages and I'm like, what is happening? Like I'm going to have this baby on the toilet. And at this point I think Cass had gone to get a coffee. So I'm like, he's not even here. And I'm sitting on the toilet, like about to have a baby, but I didn't. So mm. they then changed shifts like at seven 30, I think it was. Um, and my pain was just like unbearable. Like, so they put me on um, not morphine, that one that's like stronger, the really strong one, oh. fentanyl. They oh, put me on yeah. fentanyl. So in the drip, the only problem with that was I couldn't move around. Um, I just labored for ages, like on my stomach, on my back, like everything. And they checked me and they're like, look, you're, you're only a little bit dilated. Like it, it could take, they said it could take a day or two, especially because I hadn't had a natural birth before. Mm. Um, but the fact that I had been in labor previously, even though I didn't dilate much, they said would also help because like my body kind of knows what to do. Um, I got to like 10 o'clock and I was like, my sister Jules, she had a one month old as well. She just had a baby a month prior. And I was like, you need to go home. Like, it's fine. You go home. So it was just, it was then just Cass and I and the midwife. And she was like, all right, let's put some music on or something. Because I was literally in between every contraction, just like falling asleep. Then I was just like screaming. Like, it was like nuts. And I was like, I need something else. So I like brought the anesthesiologist back in. He's like, she's on the highest dose. And I was like, well, I don't know, like what to do then. Like, so anyway, they it got to like just before midnight about 11.30 and I was like, I feel like I need to push. And they're like, hold on, we need to check you. So they checked and I was fully dilated at this point, like 10 centimetres. Um, well, that's like so in that it went really two hours hard. you dilated. Yeah. Yeah. So, which kind of explains why I was so much pain. Yeah. Um, so I was like sitting there and they were like, okay, we'll start pushing soon. So I had like I was laying on my back, Cass was next to me, like holding my hand and then there was the two midwives at the end. So I started pushing. And they're like, you need to push. And I was like, I don't know how to push. I've never had a baby. Like, I've never done this before. And they're like, oh, like, they're like trying to explain to me. I'm like, I really have no idea what I'm doing. So, like, start pushing and I could feel, as soon as I could feel her, like, a little bit come out, like, the contractions kind of, like, stopped. Mm. Um, And then they were, like, talking me through when to push. So, I was looking at Cass. I was, like, pushing. And then I just felt like it all come out. Like, just the feeling. Like, I do, like. Yeah, and they like catching, and Cass is like, come on, you got this. And I was just like crying. I'm like, it's done. Like, it's done. And then he's like, what? And I was like, it's... so he like stood up, and they told him to like not to look because I think it was like a lot at once. Um, and then they cleaned her up and everything, and then they gave her to Cass. So I had told him I didn't want to see her at this point. I was like, when I'm ready, I will. So he was holding her in like a bluey. Um, her skin was like a red color. So they explained her to me. They said, we'll tell you what she looks like if you want. So I said, okay, tell me what she looks like. So they're like explaining. She was like red and they said her skin is a red color because she's never breathed oxygen. Mm. Um, so they said like that's completely normal and because of her gestation as well. So she was tiny. So she was like 120 um, grams, but she was pretty wow. long. Like she was over 20 centimeters. Um, wow. And yeah, so at that point, they, like, fixed me up. Cass is still holding her. Like, I could see the bluey and him holding her, but I couldn't see her. Like, he was just off to the side. Um, so they did all the other stuff. Like, they would, like, placenta came. The placenta came out at the same time. And they said to me that she was still in the sack. So she came out in the sack, and they were like, look, there was, like, no fluid in there. Like, 
a drop if that there was like mm-hmm. so we don't like I don't even know had I miscarried earlier or like we'd ask them the question beforehand like when would we know when she's gone and they said look sometimes it's before you've even started sometimes the contractions cause it they're like but she won't it's very unlikely she will take a breath and she did which yeah. we know um so this was like just after midnight they then afterwards they took her they're like look we'll take her do all her measurements weights and then we'll bring her back when you're ready so we kind of went to bed for a few hours and then the next morning they were like let us know when you're ready so i was like to cast i want to have like i want to get ready have a shower my sister jules came back she like helped me shower and all that and, and i was like okay we'll bring her back so i wasn't expecting how well they bring them back in so she was in like this cot it was like so beautiful it was white had like a drape over it and it had like an air system under it um mm. so she was in our room but there was like something over it unless we took it off like a blanket anyway so um Cass and Jules have a look and I said to Jules you have a look first like I don't know still like I just don't know and she had a look and like she started crying she's like it's okay and I think my biggest fear was I'd be scared yeah um but so I was like okay I'm ready so I went over there the blanket thing was off but like she was so so I couldn't see her unless I like went forward so um like standing there and I was like okay I'm ready and every I went to do it I just couldn't and I just was like give me another second anyway so I went I like Jules was on one side of me cats on the other side of me and I looked and I just turned around and I like almost fell <laughs> and they just both held me up they're like it's okay it's like i looked again and i was like it's not scary you know um mm. and i was like okay i've looked i don't know if i want it and then i'm like okay i don't know if i want to hold her yet and like a minute later i'm like i'm holding her i'm like okay i don't know if i want to yeah. touch her and then i'm touching her and kissing her so it happened real fast it was more the fear of what it would look like and you know the you grow up and you hear about death and dead people type of thing and you think it's scary but it wasn't mm. um and i'd said i'm like oh, i don't know if like i want kaya to see her she's gonna be scared and then i was like and then once kaya got there shortly after i was she said i want to see my sister and she was fine all the kids saw her they held her mm. but i think it's more the fear of what to expect so we then had um cassette organized with his work they have like a because he's a police officer they have a like a chaplain um so he'd organize to come them to come and like bless her and everything so we're not religious people and Cass isn't at all and I had said to him I was like you're not a religious person like why do you want to do this like and he goes to me just because I don't believe but if I've got it wrong I want to make sure she goes (laughs) (laughs) so we did that um and then we spent the night with her. She was next to us the whole time. We like got her out. She's like would stay with us. We'd just sit on the bed talking, and she'd be with us the whole time. And like it was weird because we were still in the birthing ward, so they keep you in the birthing ward. They say obviously they don't want to put you in the other ward because you'll get upset. They just don't want yeah. you to be around babies. And like we were so far, we were down the very end of the ward, so I didn't see or hear any other babies. Um. Our family then came the next day again and saw her one last time and then they left and we were like, okay, well, we need to leave soon. So we were just sitting there on the bed holding her and it was like, okay, we need to, like, call the person to come but we are just sitting there and, like, we didn't want to and none of us wanted to. Like, we need to leave. And then the midwife came in, like, the perfect timing and we are like, okay, we're going to go and we handed her to her. And then she walked down and I said to Cass, oh, perfect timing. Like, I wouldn't have pressed it. And he's like, no, when you went, like, when I was hugging you, I pressed it because I knew we wouldn't have pressed it. Like, mm-hmm. he pressed the button. Um, and then, like, um, the midwife came back, gave us a hug and everything. And they give you, like, a box when you lose a child to take home with you with, like, memories, like, their footprints, all that stuff, which is really good. So we took that home. Um, we then went home and we started organising funeral arrangements. We weren't going to have a funeral. We didn't really have a funeral. We had, like, a... Like a memorial, I guess. Like our family yeah. and a few of our friends, we just went. We went and saw her at the funeral home, and then we like gave her like gifts and everything, and then they took her. So the next few days was kind of just, 
kind of me just laying in bed. You know, we still have kids to look after and I was still the same as if I'd had a full-term baby. Like I was going through all the postpartum things, like, you know, thing. but I had no baby and I just found that so hard. Mm. Um, But we had, so our two stepkids, Jordan and Brianna, they're 13 and 17 and they ended up staying with us for two weeks. And honestly, if they didn't come, like, I don't think they realised the impact they had. Like, we obviously weren't doing our best parenting. They took the kids. They, like, you know, kept them entertained. Like, they obviously knew we were struggling and they did so much for us. Um, That's amazing. It was so good. Such young kids. Like, I don't think they even realised that they did. But yeah. it was, like, it made such a difference. So it was then, like, so we'd organised a week later for the um, the memorial a couple of days before the memorial, my best friend surprised me from Melbourne, which was great. Got my mind off. It was so good having her here. Um, yeah, so then we did the memorial, you know, we said goodbye and all that. And then we kind we had, we all went out and, you know, had some food, drinks, had some laughs. So it was kind of hard trying to be normal, I guess, mm. um, in this situation where it's not normal. Um, yeah. But then, like, a week later, we got her ashes, you know, it kind of felt like everything was slowly getting back to normal. And then the hospital calls me and says, oh, we've got some more of your test results back and you may have a partial molar pregnancy. So I'm like, what is, like, what does this mean? Um, and they said, because if it's a triploidy pregnancy, um, we need to track your HCG levels to see if they're going down. Um, they said not every... Um, so they say not every triploidy pregnancy is a molar, partial molar, but every partial molar is a triploidy. So it's a 50-50 chance that I could it could be a partial molar pregnancy, which then means there could be those cancerous cells. Um, yeah. And you could, yeah, it could lead to that. So the way they explained to me was with triploidy, it's um, XXY, not XY or XX. So they said we need to find out where the extra X came from. So what they said was, you know, we're going to do a genetic test first to find out where that extra X came from, whether it was the mum or the dad, which I had no idea they could even do. So they did that from my blood. And they said, look, if the X extra X comes from the mother, then it's not molar and, like, you're clear and the chance of this happening in a future pregnancy is the same as anyone else. So it's complete random. Um, they said if it came from the dad, then it is partial molar and it's a one in a hundred chance of it coming back again Mm. so they then said i also had to do weekly testing um to make sure my hcg was going down so when they tested my hcg then i think it was about a month after i'd given birth it was at 11 so they said we need it below five um and we need it for two consecutive weeks to or three consecutive weeks to be below five so it went down pretty good i think it was about six weeks and it was at zero which was good so they didn't have any concerns there but I then got back the results from the DNA um, and they said that the extra chromosomes did come from me. So obviously it was a better outcome for if we wanted to have kids again. Mm. But like the extra hit that, okay, like I know, and again, there's nothing I could have done to prevent this, but to know mm. that I carried I carried her, I, caught, I had the extra chromosomes, like it was just a really big blow like just as you were starting to process everything it's yeah and again yeah and like i kind of felt like we were going back to normal at this point and then it was just like and i wanted it to come from me because you know if we want to have kids again in the future i don't want it to happen again but it was just one of those things where it's like everything that happened was inside me you know um and it just makes no sense because there's nothing i did to do it or could have done not to do it but it's just i know it's hard to explain um, and I'm sure a lot of people probably feel it and it doesn't make sense like when they have miscarriages and stuff like that um, and like science even tells you you didn't do anything mm. but it's just I guess it's your mind <laughs> yeah um, yeah did you it, have help from people like the lost team or any like after services to help you process those feelings um, yeah so they did offer some I like we just went through the regular stuff. Like I haven't gone to any counseling, anything as of yet. Look, I thought I wanted to at the start, but I don't really know if I'm there. You just don't feel ready. I just, yeah. And I, I prefer to talk to my family and my friends, I think. Mm. Um, I just don't know. I think one day I will. Um, but yeah, so that after that, once we got cleared of all that, you know, life kind of started getting back to normal. 
Um, it is weird going back to normal and then you feel guilty sometimes. It's like, mm. should I be happy, you know? Like, should I be at home? Should I be sad? But, you know, life goes on. There's nothing we can do to change it. But, you know, we talk about Eden all the time. We have stuff up of her in the house. Um, like, the kid's always talking about her and stuff like that. Like, it's not – and it's not something that we won't ever talk about. Yeah. yeah. And it's something that we will. So – even like so on her one year anniversary we've decided to get married on her one year anniversary yeah um so just to, to celebrate it you know we don't want it to be a sad time like we want to celebrate her hurt we want to celebrate our family so yeah that's <laughs> that's pretty yeah. much the whole story so another thing I wanted to bring up is um, at the time you were working for Suncorp, weren't you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And they were they were really, really good, your workplace throughout that. They gave you some time off. Yeah, amazing. So they gave me um, really as much time at the time as I needed. I did decide – I decided to go back after like six weeks. I just thought I wanted to go back into routine. And then I was just – my head wasn't in it. Um and then I spoke to them a bit and they were like, you know, you can go on parental leave and they offer a 20-week parental leave full pay. So I ended up taking that and I actually had, yes, yeah, so I had five months off from October to February. So I've only really just gone back a couple months ago and it was honestly the best thing I've ever done. Like being, having leave, but I was like to myself, like I didn't have a child to care for. Like my kids, obviously, but they were still at school and kindy and stuff and like, I think if I didn't do that, I probably would have been in a really bad headspace still. But mm. it did really – it changed a lot. Like I had that time to work on myself and, you know, spend that time with the kids more and it made such a big difference. And I think you think you don't need the time off, but it's probably the best thing I did. Yeah. And they even had told me, like, the lost team, they're like, you know, you might want more time off than what you think. And I'm like, no, I'll be fine. And they're like, okay, just – people say that. And I was like, no, it's fine. But, yeah, 100%. You think you – you can just go back to normal, but you don't realise, like, it's draining you without you even realising when you try mm. to just go back to how you were. Um, but, yeah, it just put me in a really good headspace and, like, back to where I – not back to where I was, but, you know, back to, like, a more happier place and not – like, less stress, really, and all yeah. that. Yeah. That's incredible that they offer that those services. Not yeah. many workplaces offer maternity leave at all, like let alone twenty weeks. That's awesome. yeah, they're amazing. Did you? Can I ask? Um, mm -hmm. I know that there is some like maternity leave from the government with loss after twenty weeks. Did you like yeah. apply for any of that? So I applied for the. Um, there's a stillborn payment. I think it's like three grand or something. And I applied and they called me like they have their own bereaved area. And they're like, oh, you know, you can apply for the parental leave. And I was like, yeah, but I don't want to take 20 weeks off work because theirs is 20 weeks as well or something. Mm. something. She's like, no, you don't have to. And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, oh, it's like a special circumstance we do for bereaved parents. You can keep working and we'll also pay you. Um, you don't, your work doesn't need to know about it. So I was working and getting the parental leave. So um, it was started before I went back to work and then I think it went for a bit while I stopped working. Um, but yeah, so they offer it cause they're like, you know, you might just want a little bit of time and it'll help with like costs of like funerals and all that because you know, they're not cheap, um, yeah. and all that. So they said, yeah. And I was like, are you sure? They're like, no, this is correct. You can work. And they're like, we will pay it direct to you just so your work doesn't know, like in case they'd then be like, oh, or you're, you know, double dipping you're, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they were really good. Like, I didn't even know. And they're like, yeah, I'll do it now for you. Like, if they didn't call me, I would have just taken the one-off payment. I would have thought twice about it. Um, oh, it's so nice. Yeah, so everyone that we've dealt with through it all have been amazing. Like, through the hospital to, you know, like the funeral service, the um, my work, everywhere. Like, everyone's been amazing. And... It has made a big difference. Incredible yeah. that you, you know, didn't have any financial worries while you were able to yeah, you know, take a moment exactly. to exactly. process what had happened. So we're almost at a year on. How do you yeah. feel about everything now? Um, I think I've kind of come to terms with the fact that, you know, there's nothing we could do about it. Um, I've come to terms with the fact I don't want any more kids. Um mm -hmm kind of with the kids we have now it's like okay I'd rather put my full energy into them yeah and also the risk of something happening again I don't know how I would take it um so yeah and 
I'm happy with where we are now. Um, Cass and I, where we became a lot closer during it all, um, obviously went through something we thought we'd never have to go through together. And at the end of the day, it did bring us a lot closer. Um, and yeah, like it, it feels like a lifetime ago. It really wasn't that long ago, but it does feel like a lifetime ago. It all happened really fast. Um, but yeah, I think we're in a good place. Um, our family's in a good place. Um, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> Do you remember, um, like throughout the hospital and like everything with Eden, like all of the stuff that the staff gave you and the lost him, did yep. you have to pay for anything? No, I paid for nothing. Oh, the only thing we paid for was the, the funeral place. Yeah. Do you um, recall how much that costs? We went through. We went through one. I can't remember what they're called, but I believe they're government owned. So it only cost us a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, because we just did the cremation. Obviously, if we did a burial and a full service, it would have been there were somewhere like four or five grand. But we didn't want to do that. We just wanted to do the cremation and the viewing. Mm -hmm. um, so it only cost us a couple hundred dollars. But everything else, no, we paid for nothing. The, the last thing I paid for was my nip test. And my 20-week ultrasound, the first one, nothing else. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. The government and, like, the health system, they're amazing. We're very There's, lucky to have such a beautiful yeah, health system. Yeah, so, 100%. Um, and they're great. Like, they don't, they don't miss anything. And, yeah, no, they're amazing at the hospital. And how would you explain your overall experience at the Gold Coast Uni Hospital? Oh, they're, like, 10 out of 10. Every time. Mm. Like, I've been there so many times. Um, like, I had Mia there and, and having Eden there and, like, they're so good and, yeah, I couldn't fault them. That's for sure. They're a great hospital. That's awesome. Um, so I've got a couple of questions, which I yeah. think I'm going to split into two parts. Okay. The first part I'm going to focus on Eden. Yeah. Um, so if you could give one piece of advice to a mama who's experienced loss, what would it be? Um, I think to give yourself the time to grieve. Um mm as well as give yourself the time with the baby, like don't feel rushed to have to say goodbye. Like I've read so many people on like Facebook groups and saying like, oh, I saw the baby and they took them. Like you have the right to spend as much time as you want with your child and to take all the time you need. Don't think that you need to do it anyone else's way. You do it, like take your time and do it however you like. There's no right or wrong way. Yeah. Absolutely. You said that you've just mentioned that you were join. You, you've seen in some Facebook groups. Is that something that you did after losing Edom? Did you join like a lot of those sorts of services to connect with other mums who had gone through it? Oh, look, I joined one or two, actually. I joined like a partial molar triploidy one that the hospital recommended. And then I joined one for the group um, that makes the boxes, so precious wings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but other than that, just like in regular mums groups that I'm on, on Facebook, I've seen people like posting like, oh, I found out that this is going to happen, like my my baby's passed away and stuff like that. Like it's in a lot of mum groups I've seen people posting about it and reading people's comments. Some people saying, you know, I saw them for like a second or I didn't get to see them and stuff like that. So I think people realise what they can do. Um, and, you know, that's your child. You have every right to spend as long as you want with them. No one mm -hmm. can tell you otherwise. Yeah. The next part of that question yeah. is if you could give one piece of advice, general advice to another mum who's about to embark on the journey, what would it be? Um, take lots of pictures. <laughs> um, something I wish we, we took a lot, but I wish we had more at the time. I was kind of like, oh, I don't want to take pictures. Like who's going to want to see them? But they're not for anyone else. Mm. Um, so, yeah, take all the pictures. Um and feel all the feels. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> That's get a tripod, mama. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I have hardly no photos of Jimmy and I. How awful is this when he was, like, little? And the only photos I have of him and me is me holding the phone. Like, I have no <laughs> photos of, like, someone else taking it for me. And my t husband's terrible. And he I've got all these beautiful photos of him and Jimmy. But I got a tripod from Kmart, which is like $20, and I've taken a few photos with that, like, 
amazing photos with that. So, oh, that's such a good idea. Yeah, I'm the same. Like, I take the good pictures, and Cass is like, I was like, you never take pictures of me. He's like, you always yeah. say no. Yeah. <laughs> you say you don't look good in it. I'm like, oh, well, if I didn't know you're taking it, maybe I'll yeah, like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It's a bandage shit. Yeah. You're good Instagram. I don't husband. want to pose. <laughs> And then lastly, what is your favourite product or purchase that you think was worth the money and you'd recommend? Oh, yeah, probably a good pram. Yeah. A good pram that doesn't take like 100 pieces to fold and put it in the back of your car. <laughs> Do you have a, like a brand recommendation? Um, I have a Reds baby and I love it. Yeah. Since I've Mia was a newborn baby. and she still uses it now. Um, I love it. It's so easy to fold as well. Mm, that's awesome. All right. Okay. Well, we'll wrap it up there, Tori. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your beautiful story, being so vulnerable and helping all of the other mamas out there. Thanks, Kendall. It's great to do it with you. Thank you so much, Tori, for coming on and so vulnerably sharing your story. I'm a big believer in sharing all stories and motherhood journeys. And although I wouldn't want this to happen to anyone, miscarriage, loss, and other tragedies do happen. These stories deserve to be told and are always going to help someone out there. And beautiful baby Eden Leone Casperson deserves to be talked about and her name deserves to be said. You are so loved, baby girl. In this, if this episode has brought up anything for you, a few services I can recommend is SANS Australia, which is an organization for miscarriage, stillborn and infant death support, or even calling Beyond Blue and getting free access to a counseling service through them. So SANS is S-A-N-D-S. Um, you can just Google them and Google Beyond Blue and apply through both those websites. And I will link those services in the show notes and I'll tag it on Instagram for you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Please jump on the Instagram and show Tori some love and I will see you guys next time on the show. The information and opinions presented in this podcast are for educational and entertainment purposes only. While I may discuss pregnancy, birth and postpartum topics, I'm not a medical professional and the information provided should not be construed as medical advice. I strongly encourage my listeners to consult with their own healthcare provider before making any changes in your pregnancy and birth journey based on the information you hear on this podcast or elsewhere. Remember, the information provided in this podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any health concerns or questions, please seek the guidance of a licensed medical professional. Thanks for listening. Remember, Mama, you're everything that your baby needs and you're doing an amazing job. Mm-hmm.